turn to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, there in the first chapter, I thought to myself that maybe I should just cover the entire last part of this chapter because we've been in the first chapter for such a long time. But then I said, ah, forget it. Maybe we'll start that trend in chapter 2. But starting here in the 15th verse, Paul begins to pray out his, uh, pour out a prayer of his desire for the church there at Ephesus, for all the Ephesians. So starting there, Ephesians chapter 1 in the 15th verse, he said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto the Spirit of um, un, unto you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you will send your Spirit upon us, Lord, to enlighten us, to give us a greater understanding of not of so much the things of this world, but that we may gain this evening a greater understanding of you. That through the study of this prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians, that we will grab a hold of the great, the great doctrinal truths that are poured out before us. I pray that we too will take a note from the Apostle Paul and see that he had a prayer for his church. I pray that each and every one of us will have such a love for the Witten Place Baptist Church that we'll have a prayer about it, that we'll have a desire to see you work in it, that we'll have a burden that we lift up before you. I pray that our greatest desire here at 4600 North Edgewood will be that the cause of Christ will not only be the burden of our hearts, but it will be the outpouring of our lips. Lord, I pray that in this year ahead of us, that we grab a hold of what James said, that if any of us lack wisdom, let us ask of you, who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've said, we've been working through this 
epistle here on Sunday mornings, though we've kind of found ourselves in the last couple of weeks on a hiatus. But as we last looked at this prayer that Paul began to pray for the church there at Ephesus, we studied verses 15 and 16. He said here in 15, he said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. He limited that thanks. See, the the thanks comes in verse 16. After first, as we studied before, confirming the great doctrinal truth that he had first heard that their faith was placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. When he had first heard that this newfound faith had made Jesus Christ Lord of their life. And even further, another verifying and showing um, truth, true salvation, was not only that he heard of their faith, not only that Jesus Christ was Lord of their life, but this was even further manifested in their life when they showed love unto all the saints. In hearing this, he said he ceased not to give thanks for them, making mention of them in his prayers. As I said uh, in the prayer time just a few minutes ago, that's how pastoring works. Matter of fact, that's what being a church member is really all about. Pastoring and being a member here at the church should be us praying that the cause of Christ will be furthered through the Wind Place Baptist Church. Not only that, but part of being a part of the body of Christ here should be our deepest desires that not only is the cause of Christ furthered, but that in this great study that we do here, as we gather together, that our understanding of God's Word will be deepened. That we will we'll grab further hold of the truths It's more than just a prayer that, you know, I hope brother so-and-so is here on Sunday. Or I hope sister so-and-so is here on Wednesday. It's that when we arrive here, that our, our, our eyes and our hearts are ready to receive God's word. That we're excited and gleaning and, and getting a hold of these truths. Pastors, as we see here what Paul is praying, ought to love the people, ought to be thankful for their people, ought to want to see their people grow. I have experienced this even in my own life. After me and Daniel Pearson surrendered in the ministry, the first thing Brother Head began to do with us is he began to load onto us books commentaries. Now, does this mean that Brother Head was not excited about our salvation? No. Does it mean that he wasn't excited about us being called in the ministry? No. But it was that his heart's desire was that we would get a deeper understanding of the truths of God's Word. So look again in verse 17, uh, which we'll be gleaning from here this evening. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is familiar language to us. We actually seen this language in verse 3 when he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here again, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this first word in the 17th verse. He says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you see it or not, this is a connecting word to verse 16. He says in 16 that he seeks not to give thanks for them, making mention of you in my prayers. So, then what is this? Why did he cease not to give thanks? Well, why did he cease not to give thanks? And why was Paul mentioning the Ephesians in his prayers? Well, this word, that, henna, it is a term that per introduces a purpose. And so verse 17 says that Paul is preparing to introduce the purpose in which he is praying for them, in which he's not ceasing to pray for them. What is the purpose? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto them the spirit of wisdom. That's why he's ceasing not to pray. His, his, the reason he's not ceasing is because he understands that the only way that you can get a deeper understanding about God is if God gives you the deeper understanding. You just don't sit back without seeking God's face and develop a deeper understanding of God. You see there in that 17th verse, he says, And unto you the spirit of wisdom. It is the Holy Spirit of wisdom that gives us a deeper understanding of what? What does he say in the last verse? In revelation and the knowledge of who? Of him, of God. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us this understanding. But now, why? Why does Paul say to us here, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ? The question is why? Why again does he bring this to our mind? He says, why? Why now? Why has Paul done this again? The God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why has the Spirit led Paul to emphasize un this unto us again? Th this is the reality of what we have to understand as we study God's word. We must not learn to question the authority of God's word, but we must learn to question, why is this there? Why did he say this? Why again is he calling us to this thought? The God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why did the Spirit do this? Well, I believe the first thing is to, to the bring us to the fact that Paul is again reminding us of this new covenant that is found in the New Testament that we have with Christ. Remember the Old Testament, as you go through the entire Old Testament, you're brought to this covenant that God had with Abraham. Every time we read it, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. 
It was to bring us to the understanding that we are speaking and that we are learning about the covenant-keeping God. It was the God who told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. It was the God that told Abraham that coming forth with him would be more offspring than the sands of the sea. So when they said the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was that this was the God who had promised them this seed, that nations would be blessed through one man, that all would be blessed. But that's not what Paul prays here. He doesn't say to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because Paul's emphasis to us here is that there is a new covenant. There is a new covenant that is offered to us in Christ. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is interesting. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we read back in Philippians, the Bible teaches us that there was a time when Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Yet we read here again, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. How can this be? Further emphasis here, you cannot save the God of our Lord Jesus Christ unless you are first brought to this great doctrinal truth that the incarnation of Christ You see, Paul's prayer is not just a passing by. It is not a simple arrangement of words to pass time. He is praying on behalf of the church of Ephesus that they would have a deeper understanding that not only is there a new covenant in God, that in meaning in Christ, But by saying the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, they have a quick understanding that this Christ, this second person of the Trinity, once was equal with God, but yet he became man. And he brings them to this reality in saying the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that it brings the church at Ephesus to say, why? Why did he become man? Ah, because we are great sinners. Because we were in desperate need of a Savior. It also brings us to the reality of what? Of the Trinity. That there are three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and yet even here he says the Spirit will bring to us the understanding, the Spirit of wisdom will bring us to Christ who will then through Christ magnify God the Father. So he says, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, they were equal, but he became man. This is not only to bring us to the understanding that we grasp a hold of this great doctrine of the incarnation of Christ. This is not to bring us to this understand, also to this understanding about this covenant that is in him. But it also brings this great breath of hope. Oh. Because when we read the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are reminded that this God that Paul is speaking of is the one whom the Lord went into the garden to pray to. This God is the one whom the Lord went into the mountain to pray. 
This God is the one who sustained the Lord's earthly ministry. It is the one that when he was dying and placed in a bottle too, this God raised him from the dead. This is the God whom Paul is praying to on their behalf. He wanted them to understand. Now, he, he's already told them this. Remember, we've, we've covered this. That they have been accepted in the beloved through Christ. He already told them, through Christ, we have been adopted. Through Christ, we are now the sons of God. Yet when he says the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is bringing them to another truth. What is this truth? That this God of our Lord Jesus Christ is the same God that not only helped the Lord in his earthly ministry, but is the same God whom we have access to. It is the same God who not only sustained the Lord, but it is the same God who will sustain us. Strengthen us, encourage us to finish the course in which he set before us. And it is the same God who when we die in this terrible body, this decrepit body, lays in a borrowed grave. This same God, when the time is so seen, will call us up out of the grave. We could not even know this God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we already seen this in the study of Ephesians, in whom we have boldness and confidence to enter into the throne room of grace with boldness. How? How do we get this boldness? How do we have this boldness that we can enter before God? God. Paul says, with boldness, we have this ability to enter before God and pray that we have this ability. But how, does, how do we have this ability? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how he ends the verse. That we can enter into the throne room of grace with boldness by the blood of Jesus Christ. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory. This is interesting. The Father of glory. Now, Paul is bringing this thought back. He didn't say, my father. He didn't say, Jesus' father, though he was Paul's heavenly father, though he was Jesus' heavenly father. But he says, the Father of glory. I love that he says this because... It brings us to this understanding of relations. God, the creator of the entire world, is our Father. He's not some distant CEO who we don't have access to. He's not some dignitary from far away who never responds to us, who doesn't hear us. We know of his existence, but he's of no help to us. He says, the God of all is our father. He is the father, though, of what? Of glory. He is the essence of glory. He is the source of glory. He is the bestower of glory upon his children. God is the embodiment of glory. 
He is the Shekinah glory. He is the Father of lights in whom James speaks of. He is glory. God is literal glory. It was his glory that caused Moses to take off his feet and fall before him when he was in the burning bush. God's glory is the Shekinah glory. So then what is Paul's prayer? If he's speaking of the Father of glory, which basically you could say that God's glory is the summation of all of his attributes. So what is his prayer then? His prayer is that our great God the Father would do what for the Ephesians? That he would bless their finances? That he would bless their health? That he would bless their job? That he would bless their vehicle situation? Now, I'm not saying that these things aren't worthy of prayer. I'm not saying that, you know, that we shouldn't take those things before the Lord. But what am I saying is that this is not Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. Now, did people in Ephesus have needs? I'm sure they did. Did they have physical needs? Well, I'm sure they did. Was everyone in great health in Ephesus? I highly doubt it. But yet, those things are not the matter of Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. This is what he says here. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. How do we do such a thing? How do we gain knowledge about God? How do we get this deeper understanding about who God is? How do we have a deeper relationship with who God is in our life? For the Galatians, you know, we uh, went through that several weeks ago, but with the Galatians, you know, they were bewitched. <laughs> they were tricked. He said, I am surprised that you so soon turned from the one who saved you, who hindered you, who did this, who caused you to turn back. For the Galatians, they had arrived at this place in their spiritual life that though they were saved, they believed that they needed to add physical works to their life, circumcision, amongst these other things, to believe that they would have a deeper relationship with God. But it wasn't so. When Paul wrote to the Colossians, Paul warned the Colossians that this is that he was deeply troubled with the Colossians. He said, listen, I understand that you want to have a deeper understanding about who God is, but you will not gain a deeper understanding about who God is by adding these foolish and vain philosophies. Yet that's what the Colossians were doing. This is not how you gain this. Well, then how? How is it that you would gain this deeper understanding? You see, Paul's prayer in summary is really to say that his prayer would be for the church at Ephesus, that they would come to this place where they realize that everything that they need to have the deepest, richest relationship with God, they already have in Christ. Through how? Through the Spirit. There is a story 
that I read and the commentary that I spoke about earlier that Brother Head gave me. Warren Wiersbe writes of this, a man, he tells the story of a man named William Randolph Hearst. William Randolph Hearst was a very, very rich man, and he loved to collect art. He loved it. Matter of fact, every time he heard of a new piece of art, he would go across and go through any lane, sail across the sea, literally, to attain this new painting. Many times he, it was said that he had many different agents working for him to acquire this vast, large summary or um, uh, collection of art. Once he read of an extremely valuable piece of art in the paper and he decided that at all costs he must have this. He must add this piece of art to his extensive collection that he already had. He wanted it so bad that he doubled the amount of agents that he had to scour the galleries to find this piece of art that the paper had written about. Determined by any cause to have this masterpiece, he said at any price. And so the agents traveled abroad. So they went into the galleries, painstakingly searching for this piece of art. One of the agents reported back to Mr. Hearst that they had found this piece of art, but it had been stored away for many years in a warehouse. Mr. Hearst said, in whose warehouse is it stored? He said, Mr. Hearst, it's in yours. This piece of art that he wanted so bad, he already had in his possession. So Paul tells the Ephesians, don't be pulled away like the Galatians. Don't be pulled away like the Colossians. Everything that you need to have this deep relationship with God is already in your physical possession. You have the Holy Spirit of wisdom indwelling in you. So in essence, Paul is praying that the Ephesians would not frantically be searching for something that they already have in Christ. And so his desire is that through Christ, that these believers would understand and gain the knowledge of God. You know, gaining knowledge of God, it's deeper than just being saved. It goes beyond that. We have a knowledge of God in salvation. We have a knowledge of God that we are gaining through the path of sanctification. But there is also even one day coming a further, deeper understanding, a deeper knowledge of God in the time of perfection and glory. So oftentimes this is mishandled, though, when people say that the Holy Spirit has spoken to them and has enlightened them about things, new doctrines, new truths that they say that they have, that the Holy Spirit has given to them, and they would like to get up and testify it and tell about these new truths that they exclusively have in their life through the Spirit. It's not so. John chapter 16 says that when the Holy Spirit speaks, he will not speak of himself but he will draw the people's eyes back to Christ. Who's Christ? What was Christ's purpose? To glorify God the Father. So what is Paul's prayer then? 
because there was a problem brewing then and there was a problem brewing now. That Christians spend a great deal of time looking for blessings, looking for ways to gain knowledge. They think that possession brings them to a place of deeper understanding. Accolades bring them to a place of deeper understanding. And it's not so at all. It is the Holy Spirit of promise indwelling in us that brings us to a greater knowledge of him. Oh, that we would pray that God would use his spirit to bring us to a, a deeper understanding of him. It is of trouble, though, that we don't lack enlightenment from God. We don't lack God enlightening us with his truth. That's not the case at all. The trouble that I see today and that we all seem to face is that it's not that we don't understand God's word. It's that we don't heed the word of God that we understand. You know, at home when the kids are eating, Levi has this. Yes, welcome to the sermon. Yeah, the, uh, Levi has this idea that he likes to pick what he wants to eat off the plate first. And then what he does really slickly tries to return back to the kitchen and get a second helping where he hasn't eaten anything that his mom has told him to eat. She tells him, get back to the table and finish that first, and then you can have a second helping. And so it is. I wonder what the Lord thinks about us. When we come to him and cry out for a, a deeper enlightenment, a deeper relationship, a greater understanding of who God is in our life, and we haven't even taken into our hearts that which he has showed us already, that which he's given us already. Our problem is not the lack of blessings, but it's the lack of insight and wisdom to be properly faithful to that which he's already given us. In our minds, we cannot fathom the riches of this position that we have in Jesus Christ. As we continue on in this prayer, Lord willing, next week we will see the greatness of God's plan, the greatness of his power, the greatness of his person. Our hearts are, again, verse after verse, line upon line, uh, precept upon precept. Our hearts are drawn to something new, another great doctrinal truth. Here we see in this verse that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is his prayer. His prayer is so simple and deep. Just these few sentences, his prayer is not only that they know more about God through the Holy Spirit, but even in the words that he uses, it highlights in their mind that they already understand the Trinity, that they already understand understand the incarnation of God, that they already understand this grand new covenant that we have in Christ. Paul's desire for the church at Ephesus is that they would know more about our great God. And this is the desire of my heart for the Winplay Baptist Church. This is the desire 
of my heart for myself that the spirit of wisdom, that through Christ, that the spirit of wisdom will call me back to him and give me more knowledge and understanding about our great God. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word, how it strengthens us, how it encourages us, how it causes us to dive deeper, how it causes us to grab for a deeper understanding. It, it, it encourages us to want to know more the riches of your word, the richness of this text, Lord. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.